0: Welcome to Tales from the Albright, a podcast by the Scranton Public Library. Today we are continuing on with our true crime theme. So last week we did our illegal coal mining episode, and this week we are going back to the Department of Public Safety mugshots that are in our local history collection. I did a few of these back in October during our like Halloween spooky true crime series that went on then. But I thought I would bring them back just because illegal coal mining blends right in. Today we are here with Jenny. Hi. Hello. I'll be going over part one of an entire family that did crime. So it was a group of siblings in the Olesnovich family. And the first one I'm going to discuss this week is Frank. Frank kind of led a gang. Oh. So. (laughs) Okay. Okay. There's a lot here, so I will start by describing his mugshot, and I will be posting the mugshot on Instagram and Facebook and the little slideshows that I always make. Fabulous. So in his mugshot, Frank is wearing a striped suit jacket with a polka dot tie. On the back of his mugshot, he is described as being 20 years old, about 5'6", with black hair and brown eyes. And then it also mentions that he works as a tailor. Oh, and then the other two people in a small little gang were Michael Healy and Jacob Tice. Oh, okay. And they worked together to steal items from people and stores throughout the city of Scranton. Do we know what kind of items? Yes, I have them in here. Yes! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have a mugshot for both of them. Jacob Tice is wearing hev- like a shirt with heavy fabric and a jacket. And the back of his mugshot says that he is 22 years old, about 5'5", and he worked as a laborer. There's one from Michael Healy, but it's from a few years before the incident we'll be talking about today, when he stole a horse. He looks very young and is listed as 17 years old. He looks like he's 10, though. Seriously? Yeah. He is just like... Baby face. Yeah. And like has a bunch of freckles. Oh! And... It says that he is 17 and had dark red hair and light brown eyes oh. and worked as a laborer and was about 5'4". Oh, come on. All right. I feel, so, and this is going to sound strange, but every like gang back in the day had to have the little one that yeah. was the, the little kid. That, yeah. Anyways. Either they were all very young mm-hmm. or there was at least somebody that was very young. In yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Freckles, that that's does me in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So before the incident that happened in 1907, in December of 1907, that I'm going to go through today, the Scranton Times did report that all three of them had been previously arrested or believed to have been connected to other crimes. So Michael Healy, as I mentioned, stole the horse. Jacob Tice wanted was wanted for a small number of like petty crimes. And then Frank had been previously believed to have conspired with his brother Theodore in an arson. So the first time they entered the Scranton newspapers as a group was in an article on December 3rd of 1907. The Scranton Truth published that Theodore Olesnovich, who was Frank's father, had contacted the police because Frank had not been coming home, and he had been increasingly concerned that Frank was involved in the thefts that had been plaguing the city. He asked the police to just arrest his son if they saw him. And a few days later, Theodore saw his son eating lunch with Michael Healy in the Laurel Line lunchroom on the corner of Adams and Lackawanna Avenue. So he immediately called the police, and then patrolman Thomas Thomas answered the call. But he really wasn't certain why they were supposed to be arrested, because the dad just caught up being like, arrest my son. Oh, so <laughs> yeah, you may need those details. Yeah. <laughs> He he went into the lunchroom to, like, just kind of check out what was going on, and Thomas convinced Frank and Michael to go with him to the police station that was then located in City Hall, Mm -hmm. but as soon as they got outside and they saw an opening, they both tried to escape. I feel... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, They totally bolted. It turns out that Frank had a gun on him, and he tried to shoot Patrolman Thomas, but he missed, and then Thomas fell to the ground, and he managed to kind of fall on Michael Healy and grab him. So Michael didn't get away, but Frank did. So more details about that come out later. Okay. I'm invested. Yeah. <laughs> and then other patrolmen and a desk sergeant came running outside when they heard shots, because obviously that's not something that's common. Right. So Snovich got away. Michael Healy was brought inside the police station and interrogated. Um, he was interrogated by Thomas, but he was interrogated by Lieutenant Palmer. He initially denied knowing who Frank was and that they had just met at the lunchroom and started chatting. But he soon confessed to everything. And then he gave up the name of Jacob Tice, saying that he was also involved. Mm. So the police went to his house and arrested him as well. And Frank was identified as leader of their small little gang and the one who planned all the robberies by both of them. Now, did you say how many robberies? Not yet. Okay, but but you do. There's a bunch. Oh my. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Later, and like um, when I was doing research for the next episode Uh with other family members, it continues to be mentioned, like whose brother, Frank, was arrested in connection with the series of crimes that rocked the city a few months back. So it was well known that all these robberies were happening because there were a lot. So I'm, I'm watching Peaky Blinders, so this is what I'm, I'm kind of relating this <laughs> yeah. to. So, okay, I'm, yeah. I'm getting the picture. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Once they started confessing, the police sort of learned more about why Theodore suspected his son. So the first robbery that Frank, Jacob, and Michael conducted was of John E. Zuder. The group had confronted him while he was walking a young lady to her home and robbed him. Hmm. Uh, it doesn't say that the young lady, she was never identified, and it seems like they didn't bother her. They just bothered John. Okay. After they robbed him, Theodore discovered that there was a watch with the initials J-E-Z in Frank's things. And then Frank's siblings were like, Yeah, he also has a mask and a revolver in his room, too.
1: So, Dad giveaway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so his, well, father, yeah. his father was very concerned. <laughs> As you should. Yeah. So other crimes that came out at this point were that the group had robbed Steve March, who only had 38 cents. And they also stole a watch and. He stole his 38 cents? Yes. Man, yeah. okay. And then they stole a watch and a dollar and twelve cents from Francesco Contetti. And some of the robberies weren't a success, and the people they attempted to rob fought back against the group. And I go into those later. This is getting juicier and (laughs) juicier. (laughs) They finally caught Frank on December fourth of nineteen oh seven. The Scranton Republican stated that the police worked through a snowstorm to catch him. Which is backed up by a little weather report that was next to the article that said there was snow in the forecast and there was a high of 31 degrees. Mm. A citizen had reported seeing Frank in the East Mountain section of the city and a group of policemen were sent to investigate. Detective Dieter and Davis found Frank warming his hands by a fire in a blacksmith's shop owned by the Scranton Gas and Water Company at about 4.30 in the afternoon. They publish all of the details. Yeah! (laughs) They're really painting the picture here. They do. (laughs) So when they reached the police station after arresting Frank, he confessed to leading the group and organizing the crimes. In order to commit the crimes, Olesnovich told the police that the trio would sleep during the day and go out at night from their residence. So the police went to where he said they were living and discovered bags of flowers used to make pancakes on a stove that they had repaired. Why would you put that? (laughs) Uh, What does that have to do with anything? I don't know, but it's almost a direct quote from the article. Okay. Um, So they ate pancakes. All right. So, note to self. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So here's where I get into the other robberies that they did. Okay. Frank organized 11 of them. 11? Yes. And so the in addition to the ones that I have previously discussed, the pair also stole a pocket knife and $7.25 from an unnamed person at the Laurel Line train station from a person on the Erie Railroad tracks, $2 and a pocket knife from somebody else that is unnamed, $4 and a horse stick pin, Mm. which Frank apparently was wearing when he was arrested, from a pair of gentlemen that were just walking somewhere, I'm guessing, a silver watch and $1.12 from another person in an alley, and a watch and $0.60 from Michael Sabering. And then, as I mentioned before, not all of them were success. So the group attempted to rob a man in Connell Park, but the man got startled and <laughs> fell over. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, the group found this amusing, so they just let him go. Yeah. They were like, okay, you entertain us. Goodbye. Yeah, that poor guy. <laughs> um, they also attempted to rob Charles Cordier, who then fought back against the robbers and managed to get away. Hmm. On December 5th. So, this is all happening very rapidly. So, there was 11 on one day? No, no. Oh. Um, this was across a few weeks. Oh, I see. Um, and so, they arrested on the 4th, 4th. and now on the 5th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got it. Um, Yeah. They arrested Jacob Tice and Michael Healy on the 3rd, Frank on the 4th, and then... Okay. So, now you're going to explain yeah. what... December 5th. The Scranton Republican reported that Frank, Jacob, and Michael all pleaded guilty to their charges at their arraignment hearing, Hmm. which also happens very quick compared to today. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. John E. Zuger was there as a witness on the trial and identified his watch that was stolen (laughs) and found by Theodore. He also added the detail when he was robbed, his lady friend thought it was a phony job and laughed at Frank and Jacob, who were wearing blue handkerchiefs to conceal their identity. Charles Cordier was the next to testify against them, and he said that he was held up near Nayog and escaped. So they were baby faces, I'm going to assume, and people just... Yeah. Were like, this is fake. Yeah. And they were like, no. Yeah, you better take us seriously or we're going to take your pocket watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the Scranton Republican, more details of the testimonies were given. Francisco Contato, who was being robbed, testified with the help of an interpreter as he only spoke Italian. He said that after being robbed, the trio told him to skidoo and skidoo fast. Skidoo. Skidoo. I've heard of Yeah. but not skidoo. I'm
1: Apparently it...
0: Fell out of fashion in about like the nineteen twenties. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. Yes, Yes, gotta Okay. I just thought that was a fun quote, so it I is. to add it. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I'm kind of th- thinking that these guys were, they were funny dudes. They were probably. But even though, yes, yeah. they are. They are criminals. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I yeah. It just it feels very like when you think of. Old-timey crime. This is what you think of. This it's also very uh, like the black and white movies. Like it's it's, it's like a little comedy. I yeah yeah. Patrolman Thomas also provided details on how Frank escaped. Patrolman Thomas had fallen because he had slipped on icy pavement before being shot at. So he just fell on his own because it was icy. It was also revealed that Frank had previously stolen a 1,000 cigars from a tobacco store on Lackawanna Avenue, Mm -hmm. and he attempted to sell them. As a side note, after the trial, it was discovered that Anthony Ferrardi, a shoemaker, had purchased the stolen cigars from Frank. Ferrardi disputed this claim, but the police officers had multiple witnesses that he bought them. He was arrested for selling and receiving the goods. It was also believed that the group stole shoes and leather from a shoemaker, and then before the sentencing, Magistrate Miller sent Frank, Michael, and Jacob to the county jail without bail. Hmm. Another twist in the Patrolman Thomas falling down story came... (laughs) There's another twist? Yeah. Wow. So on December 10th, Patrolman Thomas Thomas was charged with being intoxicated while on duty the day that he arrested them. Yes. He... Pled guilty to this. So he was intoxicated while trying to arrest Frank and Michael Healy and slipped on the ice. (laughs) This is getting better. (laughs) This is why I wanted to do this. Okay. Yeah. So on December 26th, he faced an inquiry trial where patrolman Orson Halleck presided as judge. So Thomas pled guilty to not only being intoxicated while on duty, but also to sleeping on the job. So he just took a nap. When? Wait. Sometime during that day. He got intoxicated, just took a nap, and then arrested them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Well. Yeah. Maybe he was trying to sober up. Uh, Yeah, I know. mm, As a result, he was suspended from the Scranton Police Force for five months starting on December 16th of 1907. Wild. So on December 11th now, we're going back a little bit, back to the trial of Frank, Jacob, and Michael, they were sentenced. So during the sentencing, Frank revealed to the newspaper reporters that the trio had tried to attack and rob W.W. Scranton, but were unsuccessful. They had stalked him for a few days and then didn't see any openings and they just failed. So it was go big or go home. At that point, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah.
1: They're so brazen
0: they Very really brazen. are baby face yeah. brazen baby faces mm-hmm. during the trial frank Olesnovich was sentenced to a total of 25 years in eastern state penitentiary for nine crimes whoa tice was also sentenced to 25 years in eastern state for eight crimes and michael healy received a sentence of 20 years for six crimes the report in the Scranton Republican that the severity of the sentences could have been influenced by other crimes that had recently taken place in Scranton, resulting in harsher penalties. Mm, yeah. In 25 years. Yeah. Yo. So in August of 1911, a pardon was held for Michael Healy. His lawyer was James P. Powell, and he submitted a statement that Healy was only 17 years old when the crimes were committed, and it was his first offense. He wanted him to be released on good behavior as he had a good record and had already served a fourth of his sentence. In December of 1911, the State Board of Pardons did pardon him and allowed him to be released after he had served three years. Mm. It was reported that he was happy to be able to travel to spend Christmas with his family. Oh, I was not able to find an article, but a different article mentioned that Jacob Tice was also pardoned. And then in September of 1914, Frank Olesnovich applied for pardon through his attorney F.E. Boyle. In the same month, it was reported that he was granted at this and he was released. Mm. So that is where I'm going to end with Frank Olesnovich and his gang. And then next week, we will be discussing his siblings, Ella and Joseph. These are also interesting and we also have their mugshots and it'll be the first time I'm covering a female criminal (gasps) from our mugshot collection. Oh, I think I remember seeing this one. Yeah. Yeah. So in the meantime, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please email me at aloney at albright.org. That is A-L-O-N-E-Y at albright.org. You can feel free to call the library at 570-348-3000. Thank you.